man, we are pumped that you are here. We started this series called I Quit last weekend, and we're, we're talking about as we go into a new year and as we're making plans and all these, uh, uh, you know, in New Year's, we have resolutions. We have all these ideas of what this year is going to look like, what we're going to be able to accomplish, what we're going to be able to do. In order to do all those things, it's really hard to do when our lives are jam-packed and full already to add more things to them. And so I think that in order for us to accomplish those dreams and goals, this year, we can't just start a whole bunch of things. There are actually some things in life we need to quit in life. And so today, we're going to be talking about one thing that is super prevalent in our society and what is happening in our world today. And we're going to talk about quitting comparison. And I thought to have fun here today. When you go to the, the grocery store, you're constantly comparing different products. And so I just thought I would, I would have some fun and figure out, like, what are, what are the things that you guys are choosing when you go to the grocery store? And so how many of you guys are kind of classic M&M people? That, that's your jam. Come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands if you're a classic M&M person. Okay, there's, there's some of you. How about peanut M&M? Where are the peanut M&M people? Every service, peanut M&M people start cheering. Like, I don't know what the deal is. My, my wife just leaned over to me and she said, the reason they cheer is because we're nuts. And I was like, uh, so cheesy. And that, I'm blaming that on you. So, uh, uh, so some of you thought that was funny. I think it's lame. Anyways, uh, how about toothpaste, toothpaste aisle, how, you know, which is interesting. When I was on the toothpaste aisle, and it's funny, every time I go down it, uh, there's always there's always somebody that's sitting in the toothpaste aisle, like, I, I don't know what toothpaste to get. Because there's like, there's like 300 options, and I said, man, it's overwhelming, isn't it, to this lady. And she goes, I can't find the one that I want. I'm like, how can you not? Uh, but, uh, but how many of you guys are Colgate people? Like, Colgate is your brand. Okay, a couple people, a few. It's not a whole lot. How many of y'all are Crest people? You guys are like, yeah, Crest. It must be because of baking soda, peroxide, whitening, and tartar protection with fresh mint. I don't, I don't. How many of you guys just don't believe in brushing teeth? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know if anybody would actually fall for that, but it's, it, we, 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 would, we would understand a lot. Okay, water, water. Water is a, is a popular topic. Uh, how many of you guys are like Dasani people? To, Dasani is your jam. There's always like three in every service. Uh, how many of you guys are Fiji people? Yeah. Fiji? Okay. How many of you guys wish you were in Fiji right now instead of church? Okay, a couple more of that. Then, then I, I'm right there with you. Uh, uh, how about... This one, this one was also interesting to me because uh, I, I went down the, you know, the trash bag aisle, and I thought it was interesting because the the trash bag organizations and companies have figured out that they don't, that you don't really want your trash to smell like trash in your house. Can anybody agree with that? And so they're teaming up with different things. Like Glad has has partnered up with the brand Febreze, and they're bringing you Mediterranean lavender, so it won't smell like rotten chicken. It's going to smell like Mediterranean lavender. And then Hefty, you know, Hefty, Hefty, Hefty. He said, man, we're going to team up with Arm & Hammer, and, and we're not even going to give you any smell. It's going to be scentless. It's going to be scent-free. How many of you guys are hefty people? Like when you buy garbage, hefty. Okay, it's all in this. Oh, there's a couple over here. How many of you guys are glad people? Like you're glad. Some of you guys are not raising your hand for anything. So, like, you, you're like, we are a waste-free home. We don't produce trash. Um, maybe that's what it is. This, this one has been interesting to me. Paper towels, paper towels. Uh, bounty people, go ahead and show me. Bounty. For real, everybody like uses about brawny any 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 brawny. Not a single. There's like three services in a row. Not a single brawny person. There was like a pity person. It's like every once in a while, if I'm broke and I can just afford that, like I will. But like it's crazy to me. But here is the ultimate. 
Here's the ultimate one. It, it, whether it's, <laughs> everybody, right away, right away, here it is. Uh, I mean, it, 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 whether you're a soda person, a pop person, a cola, I don't care what you call it. Um, there, there are two choices that are out there, and they've been in competition from, from day one, and you are constantly comparing to each other. How many of you guys are like the taste of a new generation? You're like Pepsi all the way, Pepsi all Wow, this service has a lot of Pepsi people. This is like the most Pepsi people in any service. Uh, how many of y'all are Coke people? Coke people. <laughs> it's like, how in the world does Pepsi stay in business like, like, when the overwhelming majority is Coke? And, like, I, I don't even understand it. it, it it's, and somebody yelled out in a service, it's, it's Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew keeps Pepsi in business. If, we, if I was to, how many of you guys are Mountain Dew people? Mountain Dew people? Okay, so no, it, that, that doesn't even make sense. So that was a lie. That guy lied to me. Uh, anyways, you, you go to the grocery store, and it's natural to compare, right? It's, uh, you're comparing, like, what our ingredients are in uh, compared to this ingredients. What, 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 how big is that container compared to this container? My wife, I was telling her about this this week, and she goes, oh, it's really easy. When I go grocery stopping, uh, shopping, I just look at the price, and whatever's most expensive, that's what I buy. And I'm like, babe, now I know why we're broke. I've got it figured out here. Like, you are no longer allowed to go shopping by yourself anymore. We need a chaperone for you. And so I'm looking for people that want to volunteer to do that. Because if I go shopping with her, I end up with all this crap as well. And uh, and so, like, we need to do that. But in life, it's like we're naturally designed to compare. When you go look for a new car, what do you do? You compare one model versus another model. When When you're looking for a place to live, you're comparing one home with a different home. And it's like comparison is this natural thing. And it's just ingrained into our culture and our DNA and how we work. The problem is, is when you start comparing people. Because you have to understand that your soul, the depths of who you are, was not designed to compare your life to another person's life. Now what's interesting is when you look at scripture and and, and you start going into the Bible... Story after story after story, you see people comparing their life to, to one another. And, and you don't even have to go very far into the Bible. In fact, in the first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis, you start seeing comparison happening right away. In fact, you look in the first family, and in the first family there are, are two brothers. One of them is named Cain, and the other one is named Abel. And, and Cain is extremely jealous of his brother Abel because Abel went and gave a sacrifice to God and it was acceptable and God blessed Abel in his life. And Cain, he went and gave a sacrifice as well, but God rejected that sacrifice. And he's like, what's up with that? Like, why, why is, is Abel blessed and I'm, I'm not when we're doing the exact same thing. And some of you can relate to that because you're looking at your life and you're going, man, I, I want to be blessed in life. And you look at some other people and you look at their life and it seems like God's hand of favor is upon them. Everything they do turns to gold. It's like they got into the right school and after school they got the perfect job and then they fell into the perfect relationship and they've got three kids and those kids have never cried, pooped, or peed. They never complain. They never fight with one another. It's like everything they do is perfect and then, then there's your life. And like, you're like, when, when is that blessing coming in my life? Like I'm waiting on that blessing. You go a little bit further in the book of Genesis you run into a guy named Jacob. Jacob had a, a brother named Esau that he was super, super constantly comparing his life with because Jacob's problem was is that Esau was loved by their dad. 
And their dad seemed to favor Esau more than that. And so all of Jacob's life, he is trying to be like his brother Esau. Trying to act like him, talk like him, live like him, even dresses like him. Why? To get his father's love and acceptance and blessing in life. And some of you know exactly what that's like because all of your life it seems like there is this competition with your siblings and it feels like your family and your parents seem to love your sibling way more than they love you. Maybe for others of you it doesn't even have to do anything with a sibling. It's just the fact that it seems like in life there's nothing you can do to gain the acceptance from your mom and your dad. And, and it, it, it doesn't matter what career you choose, that was the wrong career. It doesn't matter what person you're dating, that's the wrong person. It's like you can never win. In life, you read a little bit further, you'll run into a guy named Joseph, and, and Joseph has some brothers. And what happens is, is God uh, one day comes and gives Joseph this incredible dream. And Joseph goes and tells his brothers about this dream that he has. And his brothers start looking at their lives and going, Why isn't God giving me a dream? And they get angry with him, beat him up, throw him into a pit, and sell him off into slavery. Some of you are like, That's a good idea with my family. I could do that. Like, that would be helpful, but that's not the point. Uh, and, and, and some of you can relate because you're looking around life and you see people and you're like, man, God has spoken to them and they're living their lives with incredible purpose and intentionality and they're doing all these great things. And you're like, God, when, when are you giving me a plan? Like, when are you going to give me some direction? Like, all I'm doing is showing up to work, going to my cubicle and stapling papers all day long. Like, I want my life to be significant. I want a word from you. I want to, I want to give some, get some direction. And you're frustrated. You read a little bit further. We're still in the book of Genesis, people. Like we're not even out of the first book of the Bible. You run into a girl named Leah who has a sister named Rachel. And the Bible says that, that, that Leah was not pleasant on the eyes. In other words, what the Bible says is that Leah got hit by the ugly stick in life. The Bible is saying that. Not, not me. Don't email me and go, I can't believe you call somebody ugly. The Bible says she was ugly, okay? It's the truth, and the truth will set some of you free. And so, just kidding. It's not the right time for that statement. Uh, but her sister, Rachel, was, was beautiful. And the Bible has some weird stories in it. They, they, they were married to the same guy. And all throughout Leah's life, she is longing for her husband to love her the way that he loves Rachel. He's, she's longing for him to look at her the way that he looks at Rachel. And some of you are looking at your life and going, man, if I was just a little bit skinnier, then maybe somebody would look at me and love me that way. If I just had that, that complexion that they have, then somebody would look at me and love me that way. If I just had a six-pack, somebody would look at me, and, oh, that was me talking, uh, and, and love me in that way. And what you start to see just, just in this book, we, we continue on with more people, is that you see that there is this tension of comparison that is happening in relational world all the time. And if you notice what, 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 where comparison takes place is it always takes place in the midst of family, in the midst of community. Why? Because when you're around somebody, you're constantly looking at their life and your life and going, where, where do we stack up? in the measure of things and and what it does is all of a sudden when you start doing that it starts breeding all kinds of unhealthiness inside of your soul 
And what's interesting is, is most of us, we're not comparing our lives with people that we don't encounter and don't know. Like you're not looking at your life and, and going, man, my, my house, you're not comparing your house with the mansion down on A1A on the beach. You're comparing your house with your neighbor's house. Like you're not comparing your yard with the White House. You're comparing your yard with your brother-in-law's yard. Like, and is it better than his? Yes, it is because I'm better than him, you know. And the problem with that is, is that it just becomes unbelievably dangerous to the depths of our soul. And the reason we compare is because we want to be the best. We want to be better than other people. And the reason we want to do that is because it's ingrained in us from an early age. Because we all have heard the same thing. Like it, when your parents probably said this to you, why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like whoever and throwing this comparison trap at you? And then it wasn't just your parents. It was in school. Somebody would be like, why can't you be smart like that other student over there? Why can't you get the grades of that person over there? Then you had a coach like, why can't you perform at the level of the rest of the team? And then you have beauty pageants that are judging you based on your beauty. Then you have standardized testing that's telling you you're smart or you're not. And all throughout life, what? life is doing is it's constantly leading you to this inevitable comparison which leads you to a life of an inevitable dissatisfaction within your soul to where you look around and you're like oh man it's just not my life isn't what it should be compared to everybody else and so automatically you think you know what guess what uh like it's got the problem has got to be stuff and, and I'm here to tell you it's not a stuff issue. But some of you think, no, 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 TJ, it's a stuff issue. If I just had a bigger house, a, a nicer house, a house in that neighborhood, then I wouldn't be comparing that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you it's not a stuff issue. Well, then it's got to be a people issue. It's, it, it's, a, it's those people. It's those skinny people that are the problem. Some of you are like, that's true. I, I agree. Like if there's no skinny people, then all of a sudden I become sexy. That would be awesome. But it's not a people issue, and you think, well, if there just weren't those rich people, no, 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 it's, it's, it's not a people issue. The reason I know it's not a stuff issue and it's not a people issue in life is because I personally know, just like you, that deep inside of my soul, there is a lot of insecurity that is there. And here's what I know about your soul. There's a lot of insecurity in your soul as well. And see, we fail to realize the level of brokenness and the depth of brokenness that is within each and every one of us as human beings. And so I'm here to tell you, you don't, you don't have a, a people problem. You don't have a stuff problem. What you have is you have a spiritual problem. I'll put it like this in your notes. Envy is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual thing that is going on inside the depths of our soul that is playing out in the natural aspects of our lives. And, and God begins to address this issue way back in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. This is what he says. He says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. What God is doing right here is he's establishing uh, how do you have a healthy relationship loving God and loving people. This is coming out of the Ten Commandments. What he's doing is he's going, hey, listen, 
listen, listen, listen. This comparison thing is going to be a trap for you. And so I don't want you to fall into that trap. Like, I know you're going to struggle with it because you, every single person has a tendency to be constantly looking over their shoulder going, who's getting the corner office? Who's getting the new car? Who's living in the neighborhood? Who got the latest, greatest I whatever the apple comes out with. And we're constantly going to be looking at people and comparing our life to them. And he doesn't just say it in the Old Testament. He says in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, but they are only comparing themselves with each other. And what happens is, is they end up using themselves as a standard of measurement. And God goes, how ignorant is that? In fact, another version says, when you compare yourself among yourself, you're living as unwise. And I think if we're going to roll into 2020 and we want to accomplish all these things, the only way we're going to accomplish all the goals and dreams that we set out is if we're living a wise life, which means that we got to stop playing the comparison game. Because the moment that we start playing the comparison game, it is wrecking our soul. See, you need to understand there's a direct connection between your lack of joy and gratitude and your compulsion to compare to other people. There, there, there is a connection there whether you realize it or recognize it in life. And one of the easiest ways for you to discover if you've got this comparison and envy thing going on in your life is to look at your joy and look at your gratitude. And the moment you start to see joy and gratitude cease to exist in your life, it should be like a huge red flag going up going, there's a problem, son. There's a problem, daughter. Like something, something is broken in your life. See, a lot of, maybe you've heard this before, but there's a great statement and it says this, comparison is the thief of joy. And some of you, your joy has been stolen and it's stolen because you're looking at your life, comparing it to somebody else's life. And I know for myself, when, when I am doing well and I am content in life, man, there is this joy that is, is uncontainable. There is this gratitude and this thankfulness that is just evident in my life. And all of a sudden, what will happen is, is I'll start to see somebody else's truck that's newer, nicer, better looking than mine. And all of a sudden, I'm comparing my truck to their truck. And it might be a year newer, but all of a sudden, joy and gratitude has left my life. Why? Because I'm comparing my life with their life. And it should be our red flag. And I'm telling you this because it is a deadly, deadly game to our soul. Because comparison always leads to conforming in life or competing in life. Comparison leads to false pride or false inferiority. And here is the danger of comparison. Because no matter who you do, it with there will always be somebody that's prettier, somebody that's smarter, somebody that's more educated, somebody that has more money, that has more opportunity, that has more things, that has more benefits. There will always be somebody in life that has more. And so if we're going to deal with this comparison thing in life, and if we're going to get past this, 
Man, I think that there's some really, really practical things that can help us in life. In fact, today I want to give you four really, really practical things. And, and here's the deal. It's not like we're going to be able to roll through life and go, you know what? Comparison on the checklist of life, I'm going to check that off. I'm not going to compare anymore because the reality is, is that comparison creeps in your life. And so my goal today is to help you raise the awareness of when comparison is coming in based on your levels of joy and gratitude in your life. And so I just want to give you four super practical things. Uh, The first one is this, is don't use social media as a measuring tool. And I, I, I've talked about this before, and I'm going to beat this horse some more, even though it's dead, because you need to hear it. See, social media is to envy what gasoline is to fire. And if you've got comparison and envy in your life, you know what will crush your life? Looking at somebody else's social media post. And I, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but like when I wake up in the morning, and, and, and the first thing I do is I grab my phone, and I open it up, and I, I click on Instagram. And I start looking at other people's lives. And then immediately I go and read half the New Testament and uh, I, just, I just crush it spiritually. No, I don't. That was a lie. I just wanted you to feel less than me. Uh, but seriously, what I do is I, uh, I take out my phone, I open it up, and I, I click on Instagram and I start scrolling. And what will happen typically is I'll be scrolling and I'll, I'll see a friend and they're launching a brand new book that, that day and they've got an incredible story that needs to be heard throughout the world. And, and so I'll be like, man, that's awesome. That guy, that guy has finished that book and he's putting it out there today. Man, that's, that's incredible. And then I'll scroll a little bit further and I'll see, I'll see two friends who decided that they're going to collaborate on a project and I'll think to myself, you know what, they probably were going to ask me, they just forgot. And, uh, and, and like, oh, that's okay, it's a busy world, you know, and I'll get it. And then I'll keep scrolling a little bit further and I'll, I'll see a friend that morning that's already ran like six miles in 15 minutes and I'll think to myself like wow in the last 15 minutes I've made it from my phone to the toilet uh you know I'm crushing it in life and uh and 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 what happens is you begin to think you know what I'm falling behind all these people Right, because that's when well, you're looking at your life and you're going like they're they're accomplishing all this stuff and it's and, and it's like man I, I I hope they're not keeping score because if they are they're looking at TJ's life and they're like that dude's a complete loser he's done nothing today. And the problem with this as a measuring tool is that if I'm measuring my life based on my social media stream, what's going to happen is that I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to go, man, look at all the things that I'm not accomplishing. Man, look at all the dreams that I'm not dreaming. Look at all the places that I'm not going on vacation that everybody else is going to. Look at all the food that everybody else is eating that I'm not currently eating. Because you've got to post pictures of your meals. I mean... And it begins to just jack up your life. And here's what I know is that for some reason, I don't know why we drift this way and why we flow into this. But we think that the social media highlight reel of somebody else's life is their real life. And it's not. Every once in a while, I think we have to grab one another and go, it's not real. Because I've never seen anybody post on social media like, hey, this is a picture of my wife and I arguing and hating each other. 
I've never seen anybody post like, hey, that meal that I just bought was on a credit card that's now maxed out, and I have no idea how I'm going to pay my bills this month. Nobody's like, hey, I just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Does anybody want to like my post? No, why? Because that's real life. And if we're judging our lives based on somebody's highlight reel, man, it's going to lead us to all kinds of dark places that we were never meant to go. And it's going to constantly be going How am I stacking up? And that's not how God intended. Number two, choose admiration over envy. Choose admiration over envy. And this is a a big deal because there is a very, very fine line between admiration and envy. In fact, I would submit to you that I think the emotion between admiration and envy is the exact same emotion. The only difference between admiration and envy is what's going on in your soul. If your soul was in a healthy place, you know what you do in those moments? You admire people. If your soul was in an unhealthy place, you know what you do? You become envious of those people. And so what you need to realize is whether you have admiration or you have envy, when, when that starts to creep up and then emotion starts to happen in your life, what you need to realize is that there is something that is there that is caused, that is happening that you want, that you want to achieve, that you want to see in your life that somebody else has. And it should be like, uh, it should be something that goes, hey, there's something in their life that you value most that is now messing with your soul. And so I think it's important that we recognize that emotion and we shift that motion from envy to admiration. One of the best ways we can do that is start to ask ourselves some questions internally about what's going on. In fact, I put some questions on your your outline there and I, I thought I'd throw them up there. What do they have that I wish I had? I think that's a great question for you to ask when you start to feel that emotion inside it. Like, what is it that they have that I want or I value in my life? What do, they, what do I admire about them? Like, what is it that's causing this in my life? This third question is great. What have they done to get where they are today? I think that's a critical question because so many people look at those posts and they go, man, they just fell into everything in life. No, they didn't. Do you know how much pain they had to get through to get to that place? Do you know how much rejection they faced before they got to that success? Do you know how much practice they put in before they accomplished that goal? So many of us, what we need to do is we need to stop comparing our rough draft of the story of our life to their finished manuscripts. And you need to realize that there is a lot of hard work and there's a lot of sweat and there's a lot of effort that, that went into that. And, and you got to go, man, that's incredible, and start admiring Everything that they did to get to that place. Some other questions I think that are good. What qualities in them inspire me? Like what are some of the things that are inspiring to you? How might my expression of these qualities differ from theirs? Because people are different. You're going to act different. You're going to respond different. But there are things that are going on that got them to that place that you go, how does that differ than me? How should I express that in life? Another great question is, is what can I learn from my desire to embody these qualities more fully? I think the more that we start asking ourselves the questions, it's going to shift us from having an envious spirit to a, a spirit of admiration, which is a healthy place to be in. Where you're admiring what everything that God is doing in their lives and how that can impact and, and move your life forward to the purpose and plans that he has for you. Number three, this is a huge one, allow comparison to become celebration. 
And if we can make this shift from comparison to celebration, it will be a game changer for us. Because listen, we live in a day and an age where everybody is critical. Where everybody is a critic. And, and when people and our friends and our family and our co-workers are winning in life, it should be cause for celebration from us, not bitterness towards them. See, we have no idea that, that as we walk into the, this new year, we have no idea what the power of our words can do. We have no idea what we could impact this year with our voice if we would stop comparing and start celebrating. In fact, I, I would challenge you this year that, that if you see a quality in somebody, you see a trait in somebody, you see somebody accomplishing something in life, don't just think those things, say those things to those people. People need to hear some encouragement and celebration in their life. And your words could plant seeds that could be transformative for their future. In fact, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that the power of life and death is in our tongue. Meaning that the words that we're speaking can transform somebody's future. Like you can propel them to another level by, based on how you celebrate what God is doing in their life. I equate it like this. I think when you start celebrating people, it's like throwing glitter all over them. I don't know, parents out there, you've ever experienced glitter in life. If you've ever had some glitter on you, glitter is the one thing that you can never get rid of for some reason. It's like you get some glitter on your clothes. You can wash those clothes 37 times. Like you'll pull it back out. You'll be like, how is there still glitter on here? Why? Because it's sticky. It changes. It's like it follows you. And the reason I say that that's a big deal is because the moment something gets celebrated, man, it sticks with you. Shayla told me a couple of weeks ago, TJ, you look good. So I've been walking around with my shoulders back. I've been like, what's up? You know, I look good. She told me that like six months ago, but I'm still rolling with it. Why? Because it sticks with you. Imagine this year if we started doing that with everybody around us. We started celebrating people. And here's what happens when you start celebrating people. When you're celebrating them, you're no longer envious of them. It just wipes that out of your life. And that is the goal. And number four, this is the most important thing of them all. You got to get straight who God has made you to be. You, you've, you've got to get straight who God has made you to be. James chapter 3, verse 16 says this. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It's this idea that God is saying, man, where comparison and envy are in your life and they're living, what it's doing is it's causing you to be disordered in life. It's causing all kinds of practices to go into your life that are wrecking and ruining your soul. It's when these things are leading and guiding you and defining you in life, when you're comparing your life with everybody else, man, it's just causing all this junk and garbage to take place. You go, that's, that's, that's great, TJ, but, but how do I fix that and Here's the thing that I love about God. God doesn't just present a problem. He always gives a solution. He always gives a way where there seems like there is no way. And I think God gives one of the greatest solutions in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says this. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him, referring to Jesus, to buy freedom. For us who were slaves 
to the law. Don't miss this because God says, man, I sent my son Jesus to buy your freedom. See, a lot of us have been enslaved to comparing our lives amongst each other. And God says, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to buy your freedom. That word buy freedom there, if it was translated to the original Greek, it would be the word redeemed. And redeemed means to buy back. And not only does it mean to buy back, but it means to take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together to the wholeness of original intent. And God says, hey, what, what I've done is I've created a path and a place for you to be repurchased. Not only to be repurchased, not only do I give you salvation, that's an aspect of what Jesus did, but the fullness of what he did is he says, man, I'm in the process of putting your life back together. To become the man, the woman, the student, the teenager, the child. That I originally saw from the very beginning. And how I see you is way different than how you see yourself based on your circumstances, based on the people around you. Then he says this beautiful thing. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into the hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And God's painting this beautiful picture. He said, man, I'm in the process of redeeming you. I've already purchased you and now I'm putting you back together. And it's time for you to get straight who I've made you to be. And then he drops this line. He goes, so he could adopt us as his very own children. And it got me thinking about being a parent and here's what I know about parenting. Like, when you're a parent, you love your kids. Your friends' kids, you like them. But let's be honest, you don't love them. Like you tolerate them. You maybe buy them a meal. But you don't love them the same way you love your kids, do you? Come on, parents. Do you, do you love other people's kids the same way you love your kids? Let's be honest. Nope. You're like, that kid needs a spanking, but you've never given your kid a spanking. If you don't believe in that, just disregard that comment. And so it's really, it's odd for us to think about, well, if that kid's not mine, I, I, like, well, like Jesus, I understand God love him, but I'm, I'm not God's kid. Like how, how could God love me and take me in that way and if you've only been here for a short period of time at our church, then you, you've heard me say, like, my wife and I, we don't, we don't have kids, but that wasn't always the case. See, at, a while back, we were, we were foster parents, and we, we had gotten a phone call about this five-year-old day baby that was coming out of the hospital that, huh? Yeah, five-day-year-old baby. Day-old baby. It's been a, it's, this is sick service. Give me a break. <laughs> Cut me some slack. Um, see, always telling me what to do. I do this. <laughs> it's her role in life. And uh, she's the Holy Spirit for me. Um, 
remember we got him and said, this is not my child. And the moment, like, he was placed into my arms, there was this, this love that I, I can't even explain to this day. It's like this instantaneous, overwhelming, like, I would do anything in the world for this child. And parents, you, you understand that because when you have a child, you're like, I, I don't even know I could love this way. And you become the most unselfish person in the world, like, in those moments. And so I was thinking about that, and, and, and the rest of the story is, is 18 months later, he ended up getting reunited with his, his biological father and uh And every once in a while, we get, we get an opportunity to, to see him. And uh, I just recently got to see him in, in December. And, and uh, I just thought I would, I would show a picture here real quick because he's like the cutest kid on the planet. And um, like your kid is cute. It's second cutest kid on the planet, but he's, he's, he's first. And uh, his, his name is Alexander. And, uh, and we, we went to this place in Hollandale Beach called Filippo's and and for a couple hours, he ran around, and I, I, I chased him. He wore my butt out. And because um, that's, that's what, like, an 18, 20-month-year-old little boy does. And uh, But when we were together, he'd be running, and I would run. And I would grab him because he loves being chased for some reason. I don't know what the deal is. Boys like being chased. Girls, just FYI. Boys like later, like, right now they're pushing you down, but later they're going to chase you. And so I was chasing him, and I was... I'd grab him, and every time I would pick him up, I'd go, son, it's a great plan for your life. And I'd put him down, I'd let him run around a little bit more, and I'd pick him up, and I'd go, son, you got so much potential. Put him down, and he'd run, and son, you're going to go to college. Mind you, his circumstances, his life, his situation, everything will tell him something different. If he looks around and compares his life to everybody else's life, none of those things are going to be his reality. And I go and grab him and I say, son, man, God's got a call on your life. Grab him, son, you're, you're going to preach the gospel in a way that is relevant and contagious and it's going to change generations and every time I would grab him I, I, I would start speaking things over his life because what I see for his life is so much beyond what he can see it's so much more than he can imagine or even fathom and if his, his focus is on what everybody else is telling him he'll never see what his father is telling him And the problem with comparison is when we're focusing our eyes on everybody around us, they'll tell us the limitations of our life when if we would just lift our eyes up to the one who is above us, if we would just lift our eyes up to our God, we would start to realize that we serve a God that is an unlimited God. 
that can do anything in any circumstance or any situation. There is not a, uh, a problem that is too overwhelming to him. There is not chaos that he cannot speak peace into. There is not brokenness that he cannot put together. There is not a, a, a disease that he can't eradicate in a moment. And he's saying, man, if you would get your eyes off of everybody else, because that is an unwise way to live, and you would start to get your eyes on me, all of a sudden you start to realize that there is such a greater life than what you're settling for. There is so much more for you to accomplish because I've empowered you in ways that you could never imagine. But it's only when you lift up your eyes to me that you begin to see, that you begin to experience the way that I want life for you to be. See, because when you realize that you've been adopted, you realize that you're not just in a normal family, you're in the family of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there's a different protocol. It's a different way of living. It's a different thing that is on your life and God is trying to get some of us to get our eyes off of everybody else and everything around us and all the things that they're acquiring and they're doing and because he's created you unique he's created you different and your story is not to look like somebody else's story it's to look like the story that he created you to live and he wants you to live he wants you to see. He wants you to understand. So I would encourage you today, let's, let's not keep looking around. Let's start lifting our eyes and putting on the one who changes everything. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that from the very beginning of our lives has been trying to get our focus on you. Not on what we can achieve or accomplish. That's a byproduct of us keeping our eyes on you. And, and so many times what we end up doing is we end up comparing ourselves among ourselves and we wonder why there's so much turmoil in our soul. But God, the thing that you came to do by sending your son Jesus was to bring freedom to our lives was to begin to take out that brokenness that we've experienced and put it back together in a way that only you can do to make us whole, to make us well. But it only comes when we take our focus off of one another and we start putting our focus on you. So God, I pray for every man. I pray for every woman. I pray for every student. I pray for every child in this place, God, that we would choose to quit comparison this year that we would begin to look at our lives and notice when our joy and our gratitude are ceasing to exist, that we have taken our eyes off of our Creator who gives joy and causes gratitude to happen. And we'd recognize that something else has taken the throne of our hearts rather than the Creator of our heart Himself. And maybe you're here today and 
And as I'm talking about this relationship with God, you, you say to yourself, you know what, I, I don't know that I have what you're talking about where I can know this God that's got a plan for me and has a purpose for me. And he's actually made a way, it was through his son Jesus who was the ultimate sacrifice that says at just the right time, and maybe today for you is just the right time for you. That that sacrifice wasn't done in vain, but it was actually done on purpose so that you could have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I'm not talking about rules of religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the king of kings and lord of the lords and the creator of your life. And maybe you need to experience that today. I'm going to invite Kyle to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, if you would just pray this in your heart,